Now, as we take a look at the book of Colossians, I'm going to read verses 9 through uh, 14 that we're going to cover today for you to follow along, and then we'll take verse by verse and we'll go through those. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthening with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the, in, of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have, rede have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So as we take a look at the scriptures here today, we're going to see that Colossae is the destination of where this letter is intended for. Well, the author, Paul, the apostle, is in Rome, in prison, and this is one of the four uh, prison epistles, letters that were uh, written by the power of the Holy Spirit through him for those letters to go out to these churches, one of them being destination here to the Colossae uh, location or the believers there in Colossae. Now, if you remember, this ancient city of Colossae was a Roman province of the, of the Asian Minor, which is in the, located in the southwestern part of the modern-day Turkey today. That's where Colossae sat. And it's about 100 miles away from Ephesus. Now, why that's important is, is that Paul writes to these believers, these Christians, in a city that he had never been to. It's only through Epaphras, the pastor that we believe of this, this startup of this church in Colossae, came with the letter to see Paul in Rome regarding the things that were going on. And we learned that last week in verses 3 through 8, these key things that he heard of what was going on in the city there in that church in Colossae. And we see that in verses, uh, verse 4, he says, We heard of your faith in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. So he says, I've heard of your faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, how wonderful that is. And I've heard of the fact that you have this, 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 uh, this love for all the saints among you out there in Colossae. What beautiful thing. That's, that's so good. And then we also have heard in this letter that I've heard from, uh, from through Epaphras there that you have this eternal hope. You can't, can't wait to go to heaven. And we saw last week, those are three of the key things for you as a Christian. If, you, if that's what you believe and that's what you hold to, then you are a true Christian thinking rightly as a Christian. You have a faith in Jesus Christ. You have a love for other believers. And you have this internal hope of going to heaven soon. That you realize this is not your home. But also in that letter, he also, Paul, learned and heard that the false teachers were coming into the church and trying to sway you as believers away from that simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ by faith and faith alone. 
that he did the finished work, he did the completed work on the cross, and that he is a resurrected, and he, that's our eternal hope, and to be in his presence in heaven. And then these false teachers were coming in, and they were kind of both parties. We had the swing of the pendulum of the legalists, the, the Judaizers, that said, yes, have a faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, you need to have the forgiveness of sins, but you must also, to have a deeper, fuller spiritual experience, you must sing music a certain way. You must have a, eat certain food, dietary restrictions. You must dress a certain way. You must, you, must, uh, you must pray a certain way. You must this. and You have to add this to not only faith in Jesus, but you also have these rules and regulations and rituals you must follow from the, Judea, from the Jewish faith. No, no, you don't. But then you had the other false teachers are coming and says, your faith, yes, in Jesus Christ, and you can now live however you want to. You get to do whatever you want to do, live in sin. You don't have to give that up because you've been forgiven. And oh, yes, and continue to live in the, this lifestyle of the world and in your flesh and your emotions. You can just do whatever you want to do. God forgives you. No. <laughs> That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, yes, put your faith in Jesus Christ. And just follow him by faith and be obedient to the word of God. He has the word and so to know the word. So as we see here and as we get into the scriptures here, this is just going to bother me. So I'm just going to put that away because I don't need it. But so, so we see here as we look at the scriptures, Paul is now going to go into this part of the letter and he's going to reveal the essential prayers for these people. He's, going to, he's responding to the letter of what he heard, what was going on in these, in the, with these believers in Colossae. So he says here in verse, right in the very first nine, he says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. He says, ever since we've heard this and we've read this letter, we've heard from Epaphras what was going on, we have been praying without ceasing. Just like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says, as believers, we are to pray without ceasing. Now, some of you are like, oh, how do you do that? I'm not, I'm not praying right now. Does that mean I'm not doing what God's called? No. What that means is, is every time they sat down to pray, every time they gathered together to pray, every time you started talking to God, you, they're saying, we prayed for you. That's what it means to pray without ceasing. Is that every time you want to pray and you're talking about, you bring people up, God brings people up into your minds that you said you were going to pray for. Not just, notice he's praying for others, for their spiritual needs. Not for their material needs. Not for their emotional needs. They're praying for their spiritual needs, we will see. And he says, I'm praying because we heard the things that are going on for you, and we were praying for you without ceasing, meaning we didn't just tell you we want to pray for you and then walk away. It's like, oh, brother, I'll pray for you. But then you never pray for that brother. I know you've never done that. I, never, I know you've never said, oh, I'll pray for you, sister. And you may have prayed for them once, and then you completely forgot about praying for them for that situation, even though you said you would. But Paul was serious. Timothy, who was there with him, and the other brothers who were with him, and I'm sure the sisters who were there ministering to him while he's in prison, he's sitting there going, we prayed without ceasing. 
Every time we prayed and every time I, it was time to settle my mind to pray and talk to God about things, I, we prayed for you in the situation that's going on in, in Colossae. Now that's significant as you do that because remember, Paul didn't have a relationship with these people other than then he is their brother and a sister in the Lord. He didn't start that church. More than likely, we see in the scriptures that Epaphras started that church. He was the pastor. He was the doing. But he heard of the brothers and sisters there in that church. He didn't know these people other than maybe Epaphras and others that maybe come minister to him personally. But he'd never been there. But he still prayed for them. Now you say, well, why is that a big deal? Well, we too, as Christians, need to be praying for churches and other Christians and other parts of the world that we've never met and we've never been there and we've never been invested or been planted in that church for a time before we moved and been PCS or whatever other reason why we moved. But that doesn't stop us from still praying for those brothers and sisters when you've heard through Facebook. Well, you heard through Instagram or through the newscast that our brothers and sisters in Syria are being persecuted. Are we praying for them? Because we hear the the troubled times. Those who are in the Middle East, those who are over on the West Coast, those who have a flooding that took place in the South. Do we pray for our brothers and sisters in those churches and those uh, things? When we hear things on the news, when we see things written, do we pray for them without ceasing? How long do we pray for them? That means I would be endless, right? I mean, I'd always be praying for them? No, you pray and continue to pray as God brings it upon your heart for those individuals until the prayer is answered or things have come to a settlement. You just write them down. Be a prayer warrior for the people that God has put in your heart. But that means you and I have to have a discipline of what? A prayer. <laughs> the prayer is the number one thing we can do. That is what Paul is saying here to us. The Spirit of God is saying to you and I today. Prayer is the number one thing we can do as a Christian. But guess what is the hardest thing for us to do? Pray. Why? Because that's the most powerful thing that we can do. Why? Because Paul says, he says, right there, he says, we were doing it, we were praying for you and do not cease to pray for you. And to ask, right? To ask means to pray. To ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, if you say, Pastor, what can I pray for you? Let me tell you, that is the number one thing I need prayer for right there. If you say, I don't know, if I ask you if I need to pray for you, and you go, I don't know, I guarantee you the number one thing I'm praying for you is right there. Is that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will for your life. The number one thing that someone asks me to pray for is normally, Pastor, I don't know what I need to do. I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know how to deal with this person. I don't know where to go next. I don't know why we should go or not go or buy or not buy. There's all kinds of situations and circumstances and people that cause you to go to God. You certainly talk to yourself all day long about it, and that didn't help you. Self-talk did not help you. And you turn to your little your sisters and your brothers who are willing to listen, and, and you can just spewed out and complained and just, you know, just emptied yourself out on these people. It's not like they can walk away from you because they're a friend. And then finally, you're still in a struggle, and then you finally say, you know, I probably should go to God. And the number one person, number one thing people ask is, I don't know what the will of God is. 
I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know what to do with my, 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 my children. I don't know what to do with my elderly parents. I don't know what to do with this. And you, you can go through these things that come into your mind. But, God, but Paul's saying here and God, God is saying to us is the number one thing is you want to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and understanding. You want to not only have knowledge of God and the only place where you can get the knowledge of God is by and through the word of God. So if you're not in the word of God, you're not going to get the knowledge, all knowledge and wisdom and understanding of the will of God. It's not complicated, my brothers and sisters. It really isn't. People goes, I don't know why I'm not hearing from God. Are you in the word of God? No. Okay, then that answers your question. Do you need help to get in the word of God? Let's spend some time in the word of God. Let me help you. I'll be praying for you to be, have a desire to read the word of God and talk to God about the word of God. That's how he speaks to you and I. And the more you digest the word of God, and the more you then apply the word of God in his wisdom, that's what wisdom is, taking knowledge and applying it rightly to make it wisdom, to be what, according to his will and according to his purpose, according to his ways. You don't take the knowledge of God and then turn to the world and say, how do I apply that in the world? It's like a round peg in a square hole. It's like people try to do that all the time, and they wonder why it's not working. But not only you want to know the word of God, but God, give me insight and understanding by the power of the Holy Spirit to apply that rightly and correctly to give it me wisdom beyond my own understanding of how to apply it to the circumstance and the situation and the people that I'm dealing with. Are you doing that? <laughs> That's the question. And all spiritual understanding. You don't want to see the physical. We don't live by sight. We live by faith. So we always go, oh, I don't see that all happening. I don't know how that's all going to play out. Well, it's, it's spiritual understanding. It's by faith, not by sight, people. That's how we live a Christian life. It's not going to be all played out for you. All written down step by step so you can have a 10 point plan and and this is the plan and the program and i just have to check 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 and do it and that's somehow it's going to go to work it's like a recipe no it's not how it works my brothers and sisters we live by faith not by sight we go to god daily moment by moment seeking after his will and understanding and his wisdom to apply it and to do it consistently all spiritual understanding that can only come by his power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll see that as one of the essentials. Not only here be filled with the knowledge of his will, but we see in number in verse 10, the second essential of prayer. He says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him and being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So the second thing we see as an essential prayer is that we would walk worthy of the Lord's. What does it mean to walk worthy of the Lord? First of all, you better be walking with the Lord. Because if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, none of this applies to you. This only applies to you if you have given your life to Jesus Christ. That you have surrendered your life by faith in, in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And if you have, then you've been for the forgiveness of sins, we will see. But you then you can come up to your to God and ask for his will and his wisdom and, and what he has and the calling that he has on your life. Because as a believer, he gives you the spiritual gifts to do a calling for him. And then he says, walk with him. 
Walk worthy with the Lord. What does it mean to walk with him? Just walk with him? No, we see the, the results of that. It will be fully pleasing to him because you're doing it his way according to his will and his wisdom. It'll be pleasing to God in the things that he's, you're doing. Not only will you please him, it says right here in verse 10, that you'll be very fruitful in every good work. Everything he's called you to do, it will be fruitful, spiritually fruitful. In every aspect that God intended. And it also increasing in the knowledge of God. Because as you continue to walk with him, as you continue to please him, as you continue to work and do the things he's called you to do, he increases your knowledge. He increases it even more. And a deeper understanding of, of, of who God is. You can't go wide enough. You can't go high enough and deep enough. to You will never exhaust the knowledge and understanding of who God is. Anyone who says, oh, I've already know that. I've already read the Bible. I've already done this. I, I've already been doing that. I've, I've, you know, I've done it enough. I've served enough. I, let the younger people do it. I, the older people, you know, those are all, those are not, those are not biblical. Those are not biblical thoughts at all. Until he takes you home, you have a purpose and a plan according to God's will and, and, and wisdom. And he wants to, you to walk with him and to please him in obedience of everything he's asking you to do. And do it by faith and not by sight. And to do it in the fact that he is going to bring increased knowledge of God, of who he is, and take you even deeper in your relationship with him. And those are just the first two essential prayers that he's doing for these people that we should be praying for ourselves and praying for other people. God, please let them know your will. I pray that they're asking for their, your will to be done and that they're walking worthy with you. If, if you're as a parent, if you're not praying that for your children already, I don't know what you are doing. Because that's your number one ministry is your, your spouse and then your children. Why are you not praying these things for your children and for your spouse? And for your brothers and sisters to the left and to the right of you. Or wherever you have around the world. As Paul is doing. So you're filled with the knowledge of the will of God. You're walking worthy of the Lord. The third one in verse 11. He says and prays for them. One of the essentials he's praying here is strengthened with all might. According to his glorious power. For all patience. Patience for every single circumstance you're dealing with. And long-suffering. All those difficult people that you're working with and having to interact with in a daily basis. You need long-suffering. And you do that with what? With joy. With joy. Now, it, oh, okay. I, I, will, I will, yes, I need the strength of God. But I don't like this patient thing. I don't like the circumstances that God is allowing in my life to build patience in me. We see that in James chapter 1. That's how he builds patience in you. He's bringing you through circumstance after circumstance to build up the patience. So if you ask, I need more patience. Ooh, watch out. Here you go. I want to watch your life. I want to sit and eat my popcorn and watch your life because he's going to take you through some, some really serious circumstances to break you deeper in your patience. And you thought you were long-suffering. You got up in the morning. No, no, no. Long-suffering is you prayed and asked God to get rid of that person out of your life because they really just rub you just a certain way. 
And God says, oh, no, that's not how it works. I'm doing a work in you. And yeah, that person may be gone, but watch the next person I bring in your life. <laughs> We're going to take you even deeper to, get to, to do a work in you to be more long-suffering. It's a, it's a fruit that he wants to bear, the fruit of the Spirit that he wants to bear in your life, patience and long-suffering. And he does that through circumstances and people. And you and I are not to complain. We're not to be avoiding. We're not to be just disregarding it. But through those circumstances and people, we're to count it all joy. Why? Why? Because if you really believe, you know that God is doing and orchestrating every circumstance situation, circumstance, and person in your life to do a work in you, and you can count it all joy because God is doing a fresh work in you. And you should be rejoiceful that God hasn't let go of you and, and, and in some way doesn't really, some people's perspective, oh, God doesn't really care what I'm doing and, and involved in the little details. Are you kidding? You don't know God. <laughs> God knows the number of hair on your head. You're telling me he doesn't care about the people and the circumstances of your life. He orchestrates all things. If you're in the Father's hand, nothing touches your life unless it's been Father-filtered first. That's why we have such security as a child of God. Our big Father has us firmly planted and securely in his hands. Do you believe that? So, it is such a prayers. That you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will. You'd walk worthy of God. You'd be strengthened by not your power, not by mine, not by the world's power, not by any other peer person you're relying upon. Oh, I'm going to rely upon my husband and, because his strength is going to carry us through that. No, 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 no. You're going to rely upon the glorious power of the Holy Spirit to carry you through those circumstances. To rightly deal with the situation of that person that you're dealing with. And you're doing it with joy because God is going to help you through those valleys, those dark valleys that God allows you to be. Because being a Christian is learning how to, to live through the valleys, not the mountaintop experiences. No, trust me. All of us want to live on the mountaintop and see his creation, his beauty, and, and no pressures and issues, and everyone surrounds you is just full of love and full of grace and mercy and everything else. And it's easy, of course, to live that way. But that's not the Christian life. It's only through the pressures and the darkness at times where he walks, you have to trust him as he walks you through those valleys. That's where the growth takes place. The celebration can be the mountaintop, but... After you hit the mountaintop, <coughs> you're right back down, coming down the mountain. But that doesn't change. God will never leave you or forsake you. You can still have joy. You can still have his peace, even through those valleys. But Paul continues here. Now we see the fourth uh, essential prayer. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be... the partakers in the inheritance of the saints in the light so he <coughs> we see his essential prayers giving excuse me <coughs> is giving giving thanks to the father 
that we come to a point where we are so thankful in this, everything that God is doing in our lives, where we're sitting at that point. As difficult as it may be, are we still have thankful hearts of what God has provided and doing and giving and working through our lives? All you have to do is sometimes is just put your eyes on what's happening with your brothers and sisters in another city, like Colossae, or a situ another church or another situation that if things are not going well and there's division and all kinds of problems, and you sit there and say, God, I'm so thankful what you're doing in my life, and, and I have my health, I've got this, and you're working even though I might be struggling, I don't have my health, you're still with me, and you've surrounded me with people and brothers and sisters who just love me and are encouraging me and helping me, and I'm able to do that for others. I mean, you just take your eyes off yourself, because the more you think about yourself, the more miserable you become. The most miserable person that you will find in this community and around the world are those who are self, so self-focused that have achieved everything. You have the money, you have the looks, you have the power, you have the positions, you have, you have the titles, you have everything you've gained of this world, and they're the most miserable person you will ever meet. only when you let go of all that and recognize God has given you all. It's complete in Him. That is where your wealth comes from. That's where your identity comes from. That's where your security comes from. That's where your, your future holds is in Him and Him alone. And that is great security. And so that's our essential prayers. That be in the will of God, to know the will of God, to apply it properly, to walk properly, to please Him and to be fruitful and, and continue to increase in knowledge and understanding of who He is. And you have the strength by the power. It goes beyond your own understanding. It's amazing what God's doing. And people say, how did you accomplish it? I said, I didn't accomplish it. God is doing the work. I'm just being a vessel used by God. I'm just getting out of the way and letting Him work through me. And I'm so thankful. How can you be so thankful in a time of tragedy? Because God is still in control. He's sovereign. He's allowing these things. This is, this is God working in and through me. I completely trust him and be thankful for him. Because I recognize this is temporary. My faith is in Jesus, not anybody else or anyone else. Not a job, not a position, not my retirement, not my achievements. My faith is in Jesus Christ and him alone by faith. My love is for the people and love is for others. I don't focus on self-love. I don't have to love, learn to love myself before I can love someone else. That's just trick of the enemy. And I have eternal hope. My hope is in heaven. My hope is not in this place here in this earth. It's, it's falling apart. It's spiraling out of control. But as a Christian, we have hope. This is temporary. God's coming back for us and rapturing us out of here. He's taking us into his presence. Why would I worry about these things? And so why, that's why I'm thankful. I'm just so thankful to the Father. Who, and notice here in the next few verses, he gives us four reasons why we can be thankful. The first one is there in verse 12. It says, has qualified us. In the Greek word, it means enables us. Enables us to be what? Partakers of the inheritance of the saints of the light. 
We can be part of being in the light. We can be part of it, partakers. We can enable us to do that. Of course I'm thankful. Because God the Father has given me the ability to be enabled to be able to be partakers of what he has for me. I can be in the light. I don't have to be in darkness. I can be in his presence. I don't have to be distant from him, have barriers of sin between me and him. Those barriers were removed by Jesus Christ on the cross. So now I have no, nothing hindering me to come boldly into the throne of God. I don't know about you, but you should be thankful because you've been qualified. And the question may be, what did you do to qualify? Nothing. Because you've just received the free gift of, of salvation from Jesus. He is the one that qualifies you and I. Not by our works. Not by our do's and don'ts and how good we are and how bad we were that day. But our trust, our full, complete trust, faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ qualifies us to be partakers of the Father's table. We can be partakers of the meal that God is going to present to us. place he went, Jesus went to prepare for us. We're partakers of that. Why? Because we're qualified. <laughs> uh, we did nothing for it except place our complete faith in the finished work of Jesus. That's why we're thankful. What's the second one? He says in verse 13, he del has delivered us from the power of darkness. You and I were in darkness. You may not have agreed with that. You may have denied, been in denial of that. But you and I know once you got settled, before you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you came to an understanding that you lived in darkness called sin and you needed to be forgiven. And that's why you turned your life over to Jesus and asked for forgiveness. Because you wanted to be free from the darkness. Are you that thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for the, the Heavenly Father for giving you and I the, the, the way, the only way to be free from darkness? To, the shackles of sin and the chains that it shackled us have been re released, re freed. We've been taken and purchased and brought out of jail, out of the dark cell of, of, of bondage. Are you not thankful every day for your Heavenly Father for doing that? You should be. You should be praising him and honoring and glorifying him every day and every moment that comes to your mind. The only time you should even think about your past darkness is to help someone else to be free. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. For you, you probably only had one sin probably pondering in your life before you gave to Jesus. Just one, I know. But what happens is God brings someone across your path that has that same sin, that's living in darkness and they need to be freed. And God is going to use you to just ponder on where you were in the past and said, God freed me from that and he'll free you from that darkness too. Well, don't we need to be in some program to help us get us? No, I don't even think about it. 
The only reason I bring it up is because I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus Christ like I did and be free from the darkness and move forward, move press onward. You don't have to ponder on those things. You ponder on your, your, your new life. You're in light. You're not no longer in darkness. You've been freed from the darkness. It should be great, great uh, thank, thankfulness in your life. And then the next one, he says, not only were you delivered from the power of darkness, but you were conveyed us you, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Conveyed means to be transferred into his kingdom. Your place of residence, your place of destiny, your place of where you're going has been transferred. Why was that significant here? Because in ancient days, what would happen is when the enemy comes into a place and, and, and goes to war and they win, that enemy, the person who won, doesn't just come in and leave everything as is in that city. They came in and took all the booty, all the wealth, but then they took all the people and they took it all back to their place. And you now became slaves and you came into their culture. You were there to be in bondage. So when they heard the word convey, they understood. You, we're, being, we're being transferred into God's kingdom? Into the love of the Son? Of God's only Son? That is where we're being transferred into? Yes. Yes. As a believer, you're no longer in darkness, but you're also no longer in the camp of the enemy. You have been transferred out of that bondage. You've been transferred out of hell. You are now into the kingdom of a heavenly kingdom, into the love of, of, of God. You've been transferred. You're, stopped. You're no longer there, my brothers and sisters. So why do you act like and, and, and live like you are? You shouldn't be. But it should be great, great thankfulness in your life that you have been Moved. You're on the other side of the tracks, as they say. It's all okay. It's all good. So it should bring great thankfulness. And then finally, we see the last one, the fourth reason why we should be so thankful. Verse 14. In whom we have redemption. Redemption. Through his blood, through Jesus Christ's blood on the cross, it gives you and I the forgiveness of sins. You have redemption. Yet should bring great joy and, for, and thankfulness in your life. You've been purchased. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven of all of your sins as far as the west is to the east. Do you believe that? You should, because why? Because the scriptures tell me so. And regardless of how you feel, regardless of how you think, you need to change the way you think because you need to get in the word of God and understand what the word of God is and ask him what? The wisdom and understanding and the will of God that you have been redeemed. And it's a finished work. And he is faithful to continue the good work that he's doing called sanctification in your life. Because he's on, you're on and I am on the path to glorification. It's only a matter of time. You should be so joyful, so thankful, so at peace, so at peace what's going on in your life right now. 
And if there's anything in your life that's competing against the, these essential prayers, if you're not seeking after the word of God and in the word of God asking for the will of God, then you are going against what God has for you. And if you're not doing that, then you're not going to be walking with the, the Lord and it's not going to please him. You're not going to have fruitfulness in your life. You're, you just don't expect it. It's not going to happen. And if you don't do that, then what's going to happen is you will not have the strength of God to help you through those situations and those conflicts potentially with people. You will not have the strength. Why? Because you will rely upon your own strength and it will come to the end of yourself. How many times in ministry I've heard people say, oh, the pastor's not teaching anymore. He's walked out away from the ministry because he got burned out. Do you know that's not such a thing in the ministry? It shouldn't be. Because it only happens when you get burned out in ministry. Oh, I've been in the children's ministry for two years. I'm burned out. You know why? Because for two years you've relied upon your own strength and not the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. Or you were doing something that, God, that was not God's will for you to do. But more than likely it's because you relied upon your own strength and not the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit, the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit every day. And you need to ask, Holy Spirit, I need a fresh filling. I need a fresh filling. I need a fresh filling. I need your power. I need your power. I need your might to do the things that I've seeked after. I know what the will of God is. I know what the situ situations and things are going on and the everything. But I need your power to live this Christian life. Is that you? Is that speaking of you today? If not, you can make change. God is going to meet you. He's speaking to your heart. And he says, come, get into the word of God. Find out my will for you. And then I will give you the wisdom of how to apply it. And I just want you to walk with me. Talk with me. I want you just to be like breathing. I just want you to be, just be pleasing. And as I reveal things, just be obedient. Immediate obedience. Not partial obedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. It's full obedience. Just walk with me. Talk with me. And I will show you the understanding of how the paths I have for you. And when you do that, what's going to happen is I'm going to empower you to do that. And as I'm empowering you to do the work that I'm calling you to do and you're in his will, I will then take you deeper into deeper things of the spiritual. You don't have to listen to these false teachers who says you need to meditate on your navel to get a deeper experience. You need to you know, listen to this kind of music and wear these robes and wear these special religious underwear and all these kinds of crazy things that goes on in religion. No, he says anything or anyone that's hindering me and you having a relationship it's impeding you enemies after you like a roaring lion is creeping it's just waiting to come after you be on guard my brothers and sisters you can't afford in the last days our lord is coming back for us you cannot afford to play with his world you cannot afford to play in your own little world in your own little sandbox that you're trying to create you're going down and you don't even know it and i'm trying to warn you Be in the word of God. Be in prayer. Rely on his power. 
Be thankful. Be glad to have gladness, to have joy in the, what, the fact that God is doing a work in your life. And you, because you have been redeemed, you have been set free, and he wants to use you in your life to reach the lost and to help those in the faith until he calls you home. I can't wait. Can you? I am wait with great anticipation that perhaps today, Lord, you're coming back home. That's how I live. That's how I live. Because that's what the Bible tells me to say. And what a beautiful way to have a life in Christ is to, as Paul is saying here, I just want this so desperately for you, my brothers and sisters in Colossae. And those are my prayers for you, my brothers and sisters here at Calvary Chapel.